Hello students and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today I'm joined by variety streamer and owner of an actual Batman Batsuit, Bruce Green. And today we're talking about Fabian Nicieza and Scott Lobdell's 1993 epic crossover X-Men event, Fatal Attractions. Hello, Bruce. Oh, John. John, I also own a uh, real-life Captain America suit as well, just so you know, in the, in the Marvel Universe <laughs> for, the, for the Marvel kids. Yeah. I, are you just going to be like kind of like a Iron Man eventually and just have these like glass <laughs> cases of all these suits surrounding you? I wish. Um, I, oh, that's uh, so, John, that sounds so cool. <laughs> actually, uh, he, uh, Iron Man did that, but Batman also did that. Batman that's right. Had, Batman was like a big, big collector of like uh of the mementos mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no that I, the bat cave. that's the goal is to eventually have that up but then that looks ridiculous and egotistical so maybe i'll hide that in my bat cave and no one will ever see it <laughs> well how, how are you doing bruce you you excited to talk about way too much x-men i am really excited to talk about a lot I, this is a a long read uh just for full disclosure john was like uh yeah. it's six episodes uh, or i'm sorry six uh issues it'll take you about an hour and i sat down and it took me three hours I was it took, yeah it took me three hours it took me three hours to read and, and it was awesome honestly like the first two two parts of it was kind of like slow but i had yeah. for, i had forgotten how cool this whole thing is okay i'm so glad that at least i i hear some positivity in your voice because yes i um <laughs> i don't normally give uh my guess this much to read um for those of you who are going to follow along we read six issues that tie in fatal attractions x factor 92 x force 25 uncanny x-men 304 x-men 25 wolverine 75 and excalibur 71 and i get uh, to to not make me sound like a total monster i did give bruce <laughs> multiple options to pick from oh totally two, yeah 100%. couple of which just involved one issue of a 100 100 yeah. um and but bruce being just a rock star i was like i want to do fatal attractions and i told him like we could do fatal attractions it's technically six issues you could actually get away with only reading four so if you want to do four we can do four bruce was like i want fatal attractions i want to read all six and i'm like <laughs> thank you i'm so glad because this is like this is a crossover event that was enormous in the 90s it's mm-hmm. one of the biggest things it was it was their um it was written to commemorate their 30th anniversary of the x-men oh. um so it was a lot of build-up it was two years of build-up starting from the Jim Lee, uh, Chris Claremont reboot of X-Men number one, the one that everyone remembers, the one that you, Bruce, showed me that you had the, the original comics for. Yeah. Um, that that four variant covers, like connected, like long panoramic image that everybody knows of. Um, and so Bruce was like, I'm down for Fatal Attractions. Um, you, I, I see, it seemed like you had uh, at least some affinity towards like the 90s X-Men. So I thought this might interest you with that bruce uh, yeah it makes sense but i mean both you and i obviously have the affinity because we were both kids right when that stuff came out and right right i think in i think from what i have heard but i don't know you would know better than i would comics at this time in like 1991 or 92 were like the biggest they'd ever been right yes yeah, uh yeah. and specifically the x-men that yes i said this yeah. in uh the episode we covered that x-men number one uh uh event but that issue remains to this day the most uh the highest sold comic book ever that's what i thought um, as, yeah that's what as i thought few, as, uh, as far as like sheer quantity mm-hmm. um and yeah so x-men were just hot 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 it's why um we got things like the cartoon um they they were you know making every toy under the sun of them 
um yeah they were huge um which actually is a nice little segue into um uh it's you've already given me a little bit of insight but i want to hear from you what your experience in history is with comics in general and then if you want to get specific about your experience with x-men would love to hear that so people can kind of get a temperature read on on who they're uh they're walking this through with okay you're gonna have to stop me because it's really long so uh my dad my <laughs> dad this goes, as old as i am yeah this goes way <laughs> this goes way back so my dad loved comics and uh this is one of those things that you don't realize until you're an adult and you go, oh, no wonder I loved all this stuff. My dad loved it. Um, and that's, by the way, that's a total compliment because my dad showed me all the good stuff. So either way, he's told me tons of stories where he had stacks of comic books in his closet. And he had, I'm no joke, John, he had like, I think he had, I want to say Spider-Man number one. He had all these number ones and wow. threw them all away. Cause he didn't, no. he didn't know they were going to be collector's items. So, so sad. yeah, I, hate to hear that I know. It's I the know. Trope. It's the trope, but it no, hurts but, every No, time. but yeah, but, but my dad, and this was, you know, he told me this since he was a kid. And, uh, so when I was buying comic books, obviously my dad was encouraging me to buy comic books, but then also he was saying, make sure you collect them. Make sure you hold on. To them. <laughs> so I did. Put them in a vault. <laughs> yeah. So I did. I actually, uh, did a lot of work for this podcast cause I had to go to my storage <laughs> and literally like Which, by the way you didn't have to but i love that you did no no but i wanted to i wanted to because i was like curious to check into it and so i opened all the storage and like pulled out all the boxes and was like i know i have these comics um and i do i have a bunch of old comics that i sent pictures of to john reisinger um that i was like there's there's got to be one in here that's worth like 100 bucks and i did i Probably. found i found a couple that were worth 100 bucks like that was about as far as it went um yeah. which was cool uh so I have been reading comics again. This is a huge comic boon in the in the early '90s, um, and so this exploded. Like I've I have all the Death of Supermans. I have like you said that Jim Lee X Men reboot. I'm I'm literally uh, wearing a shirt that is the Death of Superman yeah, shirt right yeah, now. Yeah, I've got it all. I, I it's I have all that stuff from the early '90s, and I and I honestly I'm kind of bummed that I didn't continue. However, reading the comics last night, I remembered why I thought comics were dumb. Um, and I, I remember I was like, comics are dumb, but there's some real good stuff in there. Uh, yes. and, uh, it's no, it's, I have a very, very long history with comics and I love collecting them and love reading them. I just haven't done it in many years, but it was really fun to walk down memory lane and look at all the stuff that I had, I had read and collected and, and, and now I know why I am so excited about the MCU as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, can you recall what era of X-Men you fell off from reading? Oh, that had to have been when I was like 14 or something. It was like probably gotcha. like, probably like 93, 94-ish around there. So a little bit right before this. Um, yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, because this was a 1993 crossover event. I remember, I remember reading, I think, one of these issues, mm. but not understanding the context around it. I think I probably had it, whatever, the, maybe the Wolverine, something like that. But uh, yeah, because yeah. this is from the era where they loved to do these crossover events, not as like um, standalone issues um, like they do now, but uh, where it was like pepper it into six different titles. So if, even if you were only reading Uncanny X-Men, if you want the whole story, you got to buy X-Factor and Excalibur and all of that. Um, so, yeah, it was easy. I remember being in that era when I was younger, where it was easy to like get one random issue from a crossover event, not understand what was going on and not get the whole story and then just keep 
moving on to the next issue of like uncanny x-men yep but these are very memorable covers um they are if anybody they because they had these hollow cards at the on the front of them that's right um just because that was a technology that people thought was cool back then (laughs) (laughs) that's right holograms yeah it was cool they were cool Uh, but it was. I, I have a. I have a, a couple of them actually framed um, up on my in my room um, of these hollow covers, um, because yeah, it's just a really cool. It's a cool event that has that has some big things that happened in it, but it just also looked cool. And that was part of that was half the intrigue I had with comics was they look cool. Um, John, what's well, the that's, what's the crown jewel of your comics collection? What's what's the one you were like are like this is the one you show everybody? God, that's a good question. That would be that'd be really hard for me i knew to, it would be hard for you but i just pick one just pick one yeah i i'd probably go with something that was more uh like meant more to me emotionally than yeah. as far as like sheer monetary value of course and it would be something obscure like i got this trade paperback of the big event that was marvel versus dc oh uh, yeah yeah something that will never ever happen again <laughs> because those two companies are battling each other um in perpetuity now <laughs> um but it was this thing where they it was like it was like you know who frame Roger Rabbit style where they because of some sort of celestial event the two universes collided and they had crossover where you know Jubilee met Robin and uh you know Batman fights Captain America yeah um and all that kind of stuff a, a storm picks up Mjolnir Thor's hammer whoa um, yeah it was it was an awesome event and I I I you know you look at the cover of like the trade paper bag and you're just like, well, I, cause you see them all just clashing in this big portrait poster. Um, and you're like, well, I want to see Superman fight Hulk. And so I, I remember reading that cover to cover just over and over again. And it also had a, had a miniature event inside of it called, um, I always butcher the, the, the pronunciation of this word, um, amalgam comics. Oh yeah. An amalgam. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, an amalgam. Yeah. I butcher it because when I was a kid, never saw that word before in my life. Of course, life, yeah. F- for for years, amalgam, amalgam. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so it was like this little miniature moment in between that event where they all merged, and so you had you know uh, Batman and Wolverine became Dark Claw. Um, cool. Whoa! What? That's like, awesome. <laughs> the, yeah, it was very, very cool. Um, and so they like they released those for a bit, and then when that got split apart, then they they concluded the event, and it was like a big old fight that like you know Thanos and Darkseid are fighting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I just it's like it's the culmination of the most nerdiest moment you could ever have where you're just like you know you're taking your your action figure toys and smashing them against each other right but it was like an actual written published form oh that's so cool man that is uh, i actually remember that i didn't read it but i i know exactly what you're talking about that's so cool it's very it's very good and i don't like you probably wouldn't ever be able to buy it on in digital because no one will ever release it digitally because no one would ever be able to agree upon who yeah, the, rights. the rights and yep so you're gonna have to go find a trade paperback of that or find a, a ripped version of it um but we're reading Fatal Attractions. Uh, I'll give. I want to give a little bit of like. There's, again, I can't. I have to sing so many praises to Bruce for taking this on. Um, because <laughs> one, I'm so glad he did it. Because if there's anybody of my guests who might even have a chance of understanding any of this nonsense, <laughs> it'd be someone like Bruce who's read the comics before. Um, because typically my guests are people who have no comic experience. Oh, okay. Oh, right, wow. You're a rarity. I've only had a, a a couple of people now at this point who've had any comic experience. You might, um, other than maybe Jeff Ramsey, you mm. might be the one who's had the most like reading experience um, yeah. of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. But he also, similar to you, where he fell off at a certain point and hasn't kept up with it and that kind of thing. Um, but here's 
some context to give. Uh, the It's written by mostly by um, two great authors, Fabian Nicieza and Scott Lobdell. Um, these are guys who have been writing X-Men and comics since um, the 90s. Um, Fabian was the co-creator of Deadpool. Basically, him and Rob Liefeld um, made Deadpool. So that's kind of his claim to fame, as Ooh. well as like he was a participant in, in so much. Right, He's even to this day writing X-Men comics right now in the oh, current wow. era. Okay. Um, accomplished author. And then Scott Lobdell, same thing. Um, he was the the writer for the first 28 issues of Generation X, one of my favorite comics ever. That was like the secondary school with like Jubilee and Banshee and Emma Frost and yeah, all that kind of I stuff. I have a few of those. <laughs> I love Generation X. Yeah. I, just don't, I don't know why, but I think it's just so cool. Um, and then he also participated in writing almost every big 90s X-Men event, um, including Fatal Attraction. So big titans of the 90s era. Um and basically the things that you that you as a audience who read this who might not you know who might go in cold should know beforehand is that this is picking up from the beginning of that x-men relaunch back in like 1991 um where at the end of it magneto seemingly died as his at that time orbiting uh base uh asteroid m uh, crashed into the earth and blew up and he crashed with it. Um, and he was betrayed by his lead acolyte, his little followers, that's their name, the acolytes, Fabian Cortez, who's just one of the nastiest um, dudes ever. He's just, <laughs> you hate him no matter what. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. His mutant power is that he boosts other mutants' powers, but he's always manipulative about it and is mean. Um, and at the same time, it's interesting, I was reading some issues that were leading up to this and you know, while X-Men has always been like a metaphor for like the struggle between the, the majority and the minority, um, this was like a, a heightened moment of it where the human mutant relations were worse than ever. Uh, uh, they were the, because like, of Magneto. Have, <laughs> well, cause of Magneto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was like what built it up. Uh, they, they, they announced project wide awake and the Magneto protocols in that issue one, two, and three from the X-Men um, reboot or the, or the renaming. Um, and it's all led by this, like the movement um, is all led by this nasty man named Graydon Creed. Um, he leads this group called Friends of Humanity. Um, I don't ever get political in this podcast, but it's 100% MAGA for people who hate mutants is what it is. It's uh, John, um, just, just really quickly. It's so interesting to read this because again, this is from 93 because there are so many echoes in yes. politics now and it's but by the way this is just it's because it's a it, it's a human struggle it's a thing that we uh, are are constantly yeah. running into and having to get better at but uh it is really interesting to read this just because again you can see all the parallels over and over and over and uh again not to get political but th th there are so many things that you can be like oh like th these these guys are douches like they don't they're saying all these terrible things that you know are terrible but then but then we see real people do that still and we're like no come on we learned this in x-men <laughs> there is a great moment in one of the issues that leads up to this in uncanny x-men where professor x and senator kelly who's a, a, a notable government uh, member from the x-men history and great and creed all get in this um tv debate like it might have been like nightline or something like that um and you know it's it's they kind of all do this back and forth and it feels like i'm like i'm i'm reading things that sounds like it could have been read in in 2023 that's right um and this is 30 years ago yeah. um yeah. 
And uh, and then on top of that, to, to like connect even further how, you know, these comics are always like a reflection of what's going on. A big thing that happened prior to this event was the release of what was called the Legacy Virus. Um, Cable's clone um, named Strife, who looks just like him. He had this big old event that, that occurred. And at the end of it, he got defeated. And um, so Mr. Sinister, who was helping him during that event, he kind of helped him in exchange for a canister of the genes of the Summers family because he was like obsessed with the Summers genetic line. Scott Summers and Alex Summers, Cyclops and Havoc. And he opens it up and it's empty, except it's not empty. It's very Pandora's box. He releases the legacy virus, which is a virus that only attacks a certain group of people, the mutants. It sounds a lot like another virus that was going on in the 1990s that, that only attacked a certain group of people. Um, and so the legacy virus was just being known in the comics and it had just in an issue right before fatal attractions. Cause you see Colossus dealing with this and they're all at a funeral. Colossus's sister, Ileana, who had been recently long story short had been, um, although she has been around for forever and had grown up um, after being trapped in limbo for a while after that through weird means she'd been returned back to her like seven-year-old form so she's a little kid she contracts the legacy virus and she's the first mutant to die from it in the care of xavier himself and so um colossus and the whole team is reeling from the death of iliana um by means that they couldn't solve even with their most advanced technology um so that's kind of like the the precursor other than that everyone's been like kind of hearing whisperings of the return of magneto um his acolytes who have been led by fabian cortez have been doing some really bad things they'd made this attack on this school bus in new york that was a big ordeal again not helping human mutant relations <laughs> um they had uh you know been investigating like the crash site of asteroid m and had noticed that some things were missing from it and so there was there was whisperings of all that going on but then we get into the first uh, issue X factor. And so now that I've talked for all, way too much, I want to open up to you, Bruce, to, to, you know, offer up any like initial confusion or questions you might have or, or, or reactions when you first dove into like X factor or the beginning of this event. Yeah. As an adult now reading all these comics, I, you're as a kid, you don't realize you're like, why are they spread over all these different series? And why do I got to buy X factor and X force? And, <laughs> and, and as an adult, I'm like, Oh, this is, I'm so jaded because they wanted to sell all these other crappy comics that weren't as good as X-Men. <laughs> uh, it's, it's true. Yeah, and, and I remember reading all of these, X-Factor, X-Force, X-Men, all of them, and being like, some of these are, oh, Excalibur. And I remember being like, ugh, like these aren't as good. Like I, I want my X-Men, you know? Um, and it's, uh, they're, they're, they're solid. They're okay reads. But it's clear that, like you said, a, an accomplished writer would come in and like, sort of revamp the characters from X Factor and make them better uh, in, mm -hmm. in these anniversary issues. Because if you read the normal X Factors, they weren't as good. Um, so that, yeah. that's, that was my initial thought was reading these uh, crossover issues. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. They're trying to get you to buy all these different series. Um, and that's fine. I get it. I understand. It makes a lot of sense from a, from a business point of view. So for me, it was really hard to identify initially with, with starting with X Factor. Because I was like... I know Havoc. I know Havoc, and that was it. Like I was like, I don't <laughs> remember the guy rest. named Random. Yeah, who, who yeah, he's exactly. Got a bandana, and he's got bleached white skin. Who is he? The bounty hunter. Yeah, they say in the, in the issue, he's a bounty hunter. And I was like, what is this? Like, yeah. So, <laughs> so X Factor was it was tough for me to get into, but it. But once I think once I did, like, what I got the the spirit of the issue, um, and then and I and I started getting into it. 
Yeah, it's um the the like the synopsis is X Factor at this point is you know they're the government funded um you know government hired team of X Men, um led by their human uh handler Valerie Cooper who's a been in the X Men comic forever and has still is still to this day a, a you know a participant she's like you know the rare human member in the X Men comics. Um, and, uh, so there it's like, you'll, you'll know, you'll recognize some people like Havoc and maybe Polaris, um, and like Quicksilver, but yeah, like strong guy and random, <laughs> um, and people like them, you, you'll be like, who are these people? And they're, they're fun people, but you don't, you don't have to know everything about them to understand what's going on. But the, it kind of like, the, it, it starts off the whole event with the acolytes like committing just an atrocity by attacking this human hospital. Yeah, they attack a hospital. <laughs> it's extra bad. It's, like, it's like the gonna, worst. It's the worst possible yeah. thing they could do. I love and it. And they, they kind of released like a number later on in one of the issues because you can't tell like how much damage, but they say that they killed like a hundred people in the hospital. Oh, did they really? Wow. And this issue, yeah. it looks like they killed maybe five. So like, yeah, cause they all, it, it just opens up for a moment and you see like Sinyaka, one of the, uh, the acolytes, like, you know, they, he scars one of the, the women, um, you know, the nurses uh, fatally. Yeah. 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 And, uh, that's about it. And then it just jumps into the X factor, like, you know, investigating it. And it's there where, like, a trap is set to um, kind of, like, pick the interest of Quicksilver because the Acolytes are without their Lord and Savior Magneto. They literally worship him like a, a religion. And But Fabian is running them, um, and he thinks that if he can get Quicksilver to, like, join his quote-unquote cause, it'll, like, cement himself even more as the, the now and future leader of the Acolytes. And so... He kind of they kind of leave like one of their acolytes at the hospital to get captured, and that kind of sets a trap for Valerie, who you don't notice at the time is being possessed by another one of the acolytes, and so she's kind of not quite doing everything that she wants to do, and ends up leading Quicksilver and uh, I guess takes Random with her as a bounty hunter to this uh, this military base um, to reveal that. While everyone believes that the the human and American government has stopped like making sentinels, they've actually been like developing advanced sentinels new sentinels. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, so that they can you know eventually protect themselves from you know the mutant threat. Which, by the way, those uh, that doesn't pay off in in this six episode arc <laughs> at all. No. So uh, maybe it does it's later, like, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's more so like what this sets up is uh, it sets up a couple things. One, um, it uh, gives them an opportunity to like kind of pepper in like who's this Exodus guy because he kind of first appears in this crossover event in X Factor where. Right. Yeah. Uh, Polaris is like following Valerie when she told them not to come because like her plan was not to have them be there. Um, and he kind of shows up as a mystery character, um, but then doesn't stop anything from happening and, and goes on his way. Um, but it also like uh, it, it kind of sets up the acolytes doing their bad things um, and, and, you know, reminding the audience that they exist. Um, and even like by the end of it, because of X factor themselves finding out that, uh, you know, the human, the government that they've been working for, cause they're like, they're employees of the government has been under their nose uh, with the, under the knowledge of their handler, Valerie Cooper has been developing Sentinels again. And so it kind of sets up this tone of like mutants becoming, you know, uh, you know, a bit distraught about their relations with relationships with humans. Yeah, because so, they thought it was they thought things were better now. Basically, they thought mutants and and humans had sort of 
reconcile a little bit. Like you said, they're working for the government. So like they're trying to be a team, but then you find out. Yeah, it, it'd be like if, you know, we said, oh, we're going to get rid of all our nuclear weapons, but we actually hit a few. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what that is. And that, yeah, you're, you're right in that this issue doesn't uh, set up a ton or have a lot of connective tissue. I, you know, these first two, like X-Factor 92 and X-Force are setups that are helpful but not like well, not aren't, aren't the meat of it until you get the actual X Men titles. Yeah. But um, there are like some some really cool moments. There's um, there's a pretty good fight between X Factor and the Acolytes at Camp Hayden, um, and uh, uh, it even results in like this very gnarly moment between uh, multiple man Jamie Magics um, and a another mutant who I've forgotten their name at this point. But don't worry, you can forget their name because he. <laughs> does a he does a murder basically to defend himself from this mutant who's like yeah, you know pulling yeah. a a mountain from game of thrones move and like is trying to rip his eyes out and so jamie's power works that he multiplies himself and if you don't know exactly how it works uh, you can see it where it's through kinetic force on him gives him the opportunity to multiply he has to tap something or something hits him and he multiplies and so he shoves his hand into that other mutant's mouth, taps the ground, and creates a mult, uh, uh, you know, another version of him appear inside that mutant. It's pretty and cool. Pull him apart. Yeah, it's pretty rad. It's very graphic. Yeah, it's very graphic, which is I think stands out because later on there's a moment I'll talk about it later where they sh- you can see the seams where they censor some you know gore in certain comics, um, and it's sometimes awkward. But this is not censored. It's I mean it's it's in silhouette, but like there's a, there's an image of like that dupe of a uh, jamie standing there just like distraught with his new existence covered in the gore of another mutant oh, that's rad that's rad <laughs> but yeah not a lot happens in x factor and so if you read it and you're confused by all these characters the most important character is like that interaction between quicksilver and fabian because fabian is he's losing um his grip on the acolytes um because you know rumors are starting to circulate that he was part of the reason why magneto died um, and so he's trying to cement his power um, and by like getting Quicksilver and Quicksilver isn't all for it. In fact, Quicksilver by the end of it is like, he actually understands the Sentinels and their existence. Well, Quicks- like- Quicksilver is Magneto's son, right? I just want to, I want to clarify this because they, that's why the Acolytes are after him. Cause they're basically like, yeah, you're Magneto's son. Like, why don't you want to help your father? Basically is what they, is what it's boiling yeah. down to. And Quicksilver and, and his sister Scarlet Witch did begin as like members of Magneto's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, but then they saw the better way and actually served under like the Avengers and the X Men for certain times. And so they've been on the side of the angels for a while. And so Quicksilver isn't down to like fall in the footsteps of his tyrannical dictator father and instead, um, you know, wants to be on the side of the good and also sees like because of like what his father's been capable of, he's like, yeah, I get why the humans have sentinels now, which yeah. is kind of scary. Yeah, yeah, but we can we can wrap up talking about X Factor because not a lot happens there. But um, we do jump into I thought an extra kind of fun uh, issue of X Force, um, X Force being the militaristic branch of X Men teams that was originally founded by Cable. Prior to this issue, Cable had been lost in the time stream for a while. So if you're wondering why it's like a big deal, Cable's returning, that's why. He oh, okay. he was fighting his brother Strife. He set off an explosion that looked like they killed themselves, but actually like got lost in the time stream again. Um, and he's just now found his way back. And so, yeah, this one opens up again with a, a cavalcade of 
maybe confusing characters that I'm curious, Bruce, if you were able to understand, to recognize any or most of them at this point. I mean, it was, it's again, it's like cable. I recognized. And then it's I, I funny. I recognize their looks, but I do not remember their names. Like I don't remember a flying lady with, you know, whatever that is, yellow wings or like, was it Banshee? Is there Banshee in there? Like, I don't a siren, his daughter siren. Yeah. Like, see, again, like these are things like, these are like, there are so many <laughs> different lady with wings. I love it. The, like uh, again. And, and it's funny. Cause I, I read a few issues of X-Force back when I was a kid, but I barely remember them. So it's, I only remember specifically cable. And then I think havoc. Or no, no, cannon, what, cannonball? Cannonball. Cannonball. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Geez. Holy hell. Shatterstar, Can- I also remember as well. <laughs> yeah. So. Shatterstar's got a very recognizable look, very cool 90s look to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And made a short appearance in Deadpool 2 um, when they did a little bit of a parody on X Force in that movie. Um, oh. I, I, while I loved the joke from the movie, a part of me was like, X Force is actually kind of cool. Shadowstar is really kind of cool guy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I like that. John, that's because you're a nerd, John. It's a uh, hundred. That's that's why you heard my nerd voice right there. Uh, where I like, I know no one wants to hear me say, you know, like what Shadowstar's actual powers are and why he wouldn't have died that way. Um, <laughs> but because because I, I I get it. Like it was all for the joke in the movie. And it was. It was very funny. It was a very funny moment in the movie where, like, you think Deadpool's got this team that's going to go in, and they just all, other than Domino, proceed to just murder themselves. That's great. That's um, great. Yeah, yeah. I was glad that at least Domino survived because Domino is a fantastic character who was actually not in this issue of X Force at the time, although she's she works with Cable closely quite a lot. Right. Um, yeah. You you wouldn't glean that from the movies, but she's actually more connected to Cable than Deadpool ever. Gotcha. Um, Gotcha. In fact, they've been like off and on relationship kind of people. Oh. Um, but in X-Force, Cable returns home and kind of puts them all through a little bit of a test because um, he's that kind of a, a dad. <laughs> um, uh, Cannonball, who you recognized, is in charge. He's been in charge for a while. Him and Sunspot are two of the guys from a very old team of mutants called the New Mutants, which actually we just covered a New Mutants uh, story in the last episode of the show. Um, but then the rest is like a mishmash of people um, like Warpath is the brother of Thunderbird, who was the first uh, X-Men to die in the comics. Um, oh. He was introduced in giant size X-Men alongside Colossus and Wolverine and Storm. And in so he was like part of this whole new team. And then two issues later, he dies. He was the first death in the X-Men. Hmm. Um, and so he's his brother, Warpath. Um, and then there's uh, uh, Richter, who's a great uh, character that um, controls uh, tectonic-like movement. Um, and Shatterstar, who you called out. And then there's a great character in there that I love. Her name is Feral. Um, you might confuse her with Wolfsbane, who's a new mutant who all, who can turn into like a wolf and, and, and a werewolf kind of thing. Feral is more cat, cat-like. Um, she's just part of the long history of... of cat-like clawed uh, mutants <laughs> in the x-men it seems uh, like that's like a default where they're like all right well what other mutant power uh they're an animal <laughs> yeah know? yeah yeah it, it is in fact uh I, I had actually actually i had a lease on this last uh, oh episode yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah. gonna come out soon um and uh there's a character on the 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 rival team of the mutants the hellions her name is cat's eye and she can turn into this like large purple colored uh cat but the, the twist about her 
is that um, while everyone else like in these comics always knows that they're a human mutant who has these powers that can do certain things, Cat's Eye is like a little bit off in the head and thinks that she's a cat that turns into a human. Oh, sometimes. that's fun. Um, but uh, Feral is great. Um, and you meet all these characters. You also like hear them talk about these two mutants, Rusty and Skids, who they rescued. Again, this is a connection to Strife. Strife put things in their head to twist them. And yeah, they're mind-controlled, right? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so they recovered Rusty and Skids. You don't need to worry about them. They're not a huge part of, like, X-Men history. Um, but then there's actually a fun page in this comic where to, like, endear himself to this team that he's been gone from for a while and has always been a bit, uh, you know, kind of mean to, like, in a, in a dad way, like a stern way. There's a great page that is just an info dump from Cable that he, he outlines like his whole story. He does. And so yeah. if you ever if <laughs> if you ever don't know like the history of Cable and who he is, you can read that page. It's great. And I did, and it took a long time. And I was like, boy, I really gotta memorize all this. I was like, I gotta know all this for the podcast. <laughs> well, the, the the this is from an era that is um a bit repetitive if you're a long standing reader of the comics, but if you're new to the comics, this habit is great where they often repeat things and give intros constantly and over explain who some people are because they understand it. They understand that like yeah. not everyone's reading every one of these issues. And also this is from the nineties where like right now I have my iPad open and I can access, you know, a bajillion comics. Um, you understand this, Bruce, if you missed an issue and can't find it, you don't get it. That's it. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have to ask your friends. <laughs> yeah um there was no internet to wiki who the hell feral is yep um you just kind of filled in the blanks yourself um and hoped that you'd kind of figure out who they were you know maybe you got like a trading card that had info on the back um maybe you they, they were brought into the the 90s cartoon and explained some of these characters to you but um, i was, I was gonna say most importantly for cable he fights apocalypse we all know Apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Oscar Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just maybe the worst iteration of the film. Yeah, right. Um, Seriously. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite villains ever. Apocalypse is so cool. Such a big baddie in the X-Men. And they 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 tripped. Not even They weren't even at the finish line. They tripped at the starting oh, point. Oh, so bad. Um, <laughs> so and, bad. Uh, and yeah, and didn't even have... It couldn't even involve Cable, um, who is like his... Uh, arch nemesis yeah. literally the time traveler that tries to stop the future that he lived in uh, that was caused by cable by apocalypse um but this is where uh exodus returns again exodus who's this new character that i'm sure everyone is very confused by um i i, I don't know if you even recognized him bruce i'm curious no 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 i didn't i mean i i it, it was nice because he, he appears in cameo form in, in these first two uh, issues. And it's, again, they're like introducing who he is. And you're, so you're, you're meant to be sort of, oh, this is mysterious, you know, like, which is nice. Because yeah. I wasn't like, I don't know who Exodus is. Um, but uh, he looks cool. And I, <laughs> I kind of remember his look a little bit. But other than that, that's, that's all I've got. So you got you gotta love a man with capes and big old epaulets that are coming off of right, yeah. the back of his shoulders like <laughs> he is um um if you can't tell uh later on it is 100 percent canonized he's a big old homosexual um, oh i didn't know who, that really um yeah um he was originally uh, a you can almost call him an acolyte of apocalypse um but from like the uh crusades like he's that ancient oh um, okay and 
he uh his boyfriend gets murdered in the crusades another night and uh he apocalypse like awakens his mutant power and amplifies it and kind of changes him a little bit and then he has a falling out with apocalypse and actually sleeps for about a hundred years exodus Mm -hmm. and then when he awakens he kind of becomes enamored by magneto and and kind of pledges himself um he's very he's got a lot of religious themes to him um well his his name is exodus (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. literally a you know a book of the bible um and uh you know comes from the crusades um he uh they don't mention they actually i reading all these issues they never explain his powers ever they don't so, I, that i was gonna I, ask I, you john what are his you powers tell me, you tell me without because this is again like people reading this will have the same reaction you have what are his powers bruce so i from what i could see he can fly right correct okay good that's good he can fly and then also it seems like maybe he can fire energy beams out of his hands is that right? That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, all yeah, right. Not quite, but I, but like visually, you're. I understand why you're there. Uh, yeah, that's all I've got. <laughs> yeah, that was it. They don't. They 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 make it seem you know rightfully so. He's very powerful. Yes, um, they do. He, yeah, he takes yeah. on a lot of people multiple times in this run, um, and uh, so he's a telekinetic, much like Jean Grey. Oh, um, okay. There we go. <laughs> But he is um he is an omega level telekinetic. They don't say this in the comics until later on. Um and in fact there was an era where and they've still played with this, where they played with that he was the he's more powerful the more people who have faith in him. Um, oh, interesting. They kind of have like let that muddy a little bit because it's a little confusing sometimes. But he is a mega level telekinetic, which means he has like n- there's no upper limits to his telekinesis. Hence, why he's able to do things like take on all of X Force or or half the X Men or you know he's the ferryman. He can literally because there is he can fly through his telekinesis, but he can travel from that that orbiting base in space to and fro with the sheer power of his telekinesis and take people to Avalon, this base that Magneto has created. Got it. Um, and so, yeah, so he, he appears to like try to bring the original new mutants, um, cannonball and sunspot to Avalon. Cause he's like, cause Magneto is gathering people. Cannonball does a cool little like a uh, switcheroo and like says, yeah, I'll go. And then gives cable his like, you know, his comm links to, uh, to track him so that the X-Force can then, you know, get to the base and see what's going on. Um, this is also like this issue serves as a, a place for people to understand where Magneto got this new base from. Um, the man loves his orbiting bases <laughs> in the space. Um, no matter how many times they get destroyed and crash, um, which spoiler alert, Avalon eventually gets destroyed. Of course. What a surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's not as uh, well. X-Men in general love to create Island like homes for themselves, either on earth or in space. And they never work out. <laughs> Um, but I'm hoping the one right now works out while they're on Krakoa, but we won't get into that right now. Um, <laughs> and so Avalon is essentially uh, an amalgamation, bringing that word back, nice. um, of Cable's super advanced future base, Grey Malkin, um, that he has used for a lot of his adventures and was run by his AI dad, um, Professor, and... Uh, and then it's an amalgamation of that and this technology that Magneto got while working with the X-Men. He was actually the head of um, the school at one point. Um, and he like took a bunch of technology from the Shi'ar, who are these aliens that the X-Men are really buddy-buddy with. Um, and he created... I sound like a crazy person sometimes. I love it. About this. I, it's, it's insane. It's literally insane. All of it. It's great. 
And they, so he made big old new base for himself. And Cable's like, this is my base. Give me back my base. Give me back my dad. Um, <laughs> my, my AI dad that lives inside my arm. Um, and so uh, they go up there. Magneto cures Rusty and Skids of their like uh, strife also, issues. I, I want to very, just so you know, the takeaway for this issue just in, in, in general is that Magneto is recruiting mutants yeah. who are fighting alongside Magneto basically to to wipe out humanity. Um yeah. Magneto's is back doing this again because he always is. Um yes. but that's the whole point is that Magneto's coming to mutants and talking to them and being like, "Hey, here's what I'm yeah. doing because you're going to get killed by humans, so come fight for me." And that's that's what I that's the that was the whole point of the issue for me. I love there's a page in it where everyone's like, "That's Magneto. We know that's Magneto, but like they still drew him shrouded in this big oh yeah cloak. in a robe yeah uh, the blue in a robe, robe. Yeah, yeah. which that's the other thing magneto loves robes um <laughs> he, uh, uh, when we did uh, he's if you read x-men number one which was the, in- the reintroduction of him there's a great shot and i called this out when we did the episode where he's like wearing this very silky white flowy <laughs> robe um the man's got good fashion sense i will give him that he does true. um yeah. so yeah uh Cable like manages to get his dad back in his arm. Um, and before the X Force get in a big old fight, he uses the tra- teleportation technology that's on the base called that he calls Body Slide. Um, he's he's basically technology he uses constantly to be able to go anywhere he wants, where he just like calls out Body Slide by one and it just takes him, or Body Slide by two and it takes him and a friend. Um, and so he body slides all the X Force away because he's like, I'm gonna blow up the base. Um, this is my base. If you, I can't have it, no one can have it. Um, but like Magneto roughs him up just a little bit. Um, it's real, it's real bad. The, the panels of, of cable getting destroyed are pretty brutal. It's awesome. Cause he just rips him apart. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Bit of a foreshadow of what's going to happen later on for another member of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, poor Cable, half his body is technology because of a, a, a alien virus that's taken over half his body. Um, and almost kills him, manages to body slide himself away um, with his dad in his arm. And, uh, you know, he he kind of like, he still manages to foil Magneto's plans in that issue, which is to try to like, Magneto was uh, enamored with the idea of like getting the next generation of X-Men on his side, which is like the new mutants, K- Cannonball and Sunspot. And because he didn't get anybody, while he was able to like almost murder Cable, um, he didn't get any new recruits other than Rusty and Skids who are, worthless um <laughs> no offense to them but they are yeah that's true, uh, that's true. <laughs> but then we get into uncanny x-men three or four uh which i would argue especially after rereading it this time might be one of the best single issues ever i would agree um yeah I would scott labdell yeah. penned it um it's so good it's it's very beefy it's a it's an extra large issue um it is uh one of two main issues from Fatal Attractions, and a lot happens. Yeah, this was the one um, that I, I think I had and remember reading because I there were that, things. If, there if were, you have that one, that's great. There were things in this in this episode or in this issue that I remember still to this day. Um, yeah, that I was like, man, this stuff is so memorable, and I thought that some of it had happened in movies or the cartoon or whatever, but this was from straight from the comic, so it, it's awesome. It can be hard if you're like an an old uh uh man like us uh, <laughs> who's been like reading the comics at a certain point, watched like cartoons or multiple cartoons at a certain point, and then has also seen 
movies which also have no like coherent timeline or or, or you know strategy <laughs> yeah to like try to recall like where did I remember this from? Was it from it? And so, yeah, I, I fully uh, connect with that uh, feeling of like, <laughs> oh, I'm getting deja vu as I read this. Because like, like I said, there was like, you know, you had trading cards and you had other just random, like they had things on the back of the the toys that had like information dumps. Um, and then like when the internet started, then you started seeing pieces of people like scanning things and putting it up on the internet and that kind of stuff. Um, but this issue opens up again with the acolytes, um, kind of having a, a big event where, um, it's a bit confusing. I'll agree. This is one of the more confusing openers. If you don't know what's going on, they finally un- uh, know that, uh, Fabian Cortez had led to the almost demise of their, their leader Magneto. And so he's finally losing control of the acolytes and Exodus, um, does an almost murder kind of leaves him to die and and leaves a little flowery text of like, I will leave you to a different legacy, which is basically pointing out Fabian has a legacy virus and doesn't know it yet. Oh, um, okay. And uh, yeah, if you see the word legacy ever in these issues, they are alluding to that. Uh, Magneto and Exodus know of the legacy virus already at this point, um, which is also part of why they're only bringing certain people to Avalon. It's partially like they want him for like for certain strategic reasons but they also like are not bringing anybody who has legacy virus because they don't want to bring anybody like that to their island orbiting base of course um there's a tie-in issue i think it's in an x-men unlimited cover where exodus actually exodus actually visits like a a bunch of uh magneto's like former brotherhood of evil mutant members who are on this boat it's like blob and pyro and avalanche and all them um and he only extends an invitation to the uh, one of them, this woman. I can't remember what her name is. She she says no. She's going to stay with her friends. Pyro calls out, um, I was one of the originals. Um, why aren't you bringing me? And Exodus alludes to, like, um, you have, like, he's, he's, he's unclean to oh. some extent. Um, huh. Pyro will eventually die to the legacy virus. Oh, That's okay. Very sad. There you go. All right. Um, Pyro also, which is extra sad whenever it's any of the, uh, the characters who later on, because we couldn't canonize it ever because of people, but Pyro was also gay. Um, oh, so he very that. much was like an AIDS, uh, uh, um, not survivor, an AIDS, uh, victim. Yeah. That makes sense. Previously on X-Men. Hello again, students, Professor Reisinger here with some school announcements. That's what we're going to call this from now on, this little interruption that happens in the middle of the episode. Announcements. First announcement, our next guest speaker at the school. It's uh, none other than the internet heartthrob uh, himself, James Willems, um, and we'll be reading Chris Claremont's 2004 mystery adventure titled Extreme X-Men, and we're going to read issues one through four. It's very fun. Uh, The wife of Mystique, Destiny, we know her by now, uh, she's dead, but her diary's telling the future uh, of everybody. Uh, They're not dead. And so Storm is leading a group of her own to retrieve them. It's very fun. Uh, I look forward to releasing the episode soon. Um, And James was, no, no surprise, a delight. We also have a new elective for our Patreon members. Yes, this show is is funded and supported by a Patreon. Um, so members of the House of X uh, tier will now get extra credit by listening to a new series that I'm calling Extra Credit. 
obviously just with the X at the front, no E at the front. I mean, this is after all a X-Men show. Um, but extra credit is where we will cover details about characters um, and, and stuff that we were not able to get to in each episode um, that I feel like would be giving you guys a little bit more context about some fun stuff and facts about these these fun little mutants. Uh, the first episode is out right now as I post this episode. Um, and it is all about, uh, it's a brief little history of Wolverine's claws. Um, they become kind of a, a, a plot point in Fatal Attractions that we are um, listening to right now with Bruce. So I figure, why not teach you guys about his claws and adamantium and all that kind of stuff. It's very fun. You can check it out right now. It's available for all members of House of X. Um, they have access to it right now. Um, and if you'd like to become a Patreon uh, supporter, that would be super cool. Um, I don't know a better way of asking you for do that because it's awkward to ask people to support projects I make. Um, but yeah, patreon.com slash class of X. We have uh, House of M, which is uh, just a dollar if you want, or House of X, which is uh, $5 and you get access to some extra content like this. And I promise to support that Uh consistently and give you guys uh, worth for your money. I'm awkward at this. I'm not really good at doing this part of the show. Have me talk about Storm or Cyclops for two hours. I can do that. But ask you guys to support the show. I'm like, nah, don't. Just, uh, you know, you probably shouldn't even be listening. So turn off right now. Anyways, contrary to that, thank you for listening. Um, and if you could rate the show on whatever platform you're listening to, that'd be great. If you're listening on Patreon, leave a comment saying, I like the show, John. And uh, follow us on socials, Class of X Pod everywhere. I just post a lot of memes and X-Men pictures and stuff like that. Um, I'm going to stop talking now and let us get back to the show because Bruce is a delight and I want you to listen to him. All right. Thanks all. Bye. So the Acolytes are now back to like Magneto's side and we go to the funeral event um, where it starts off Professor X is like pondering the death of Ileana and he gets visited by his hologram space alien girlfriend, Lalandra. <laughs> That's right. And I was like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this? Uh, I didn't, but, but the, but the, but the issue does a really good job of explaining who this lady is and uh, what she means to Xavier. So Yeah. Because uh, it's very, yeah, you, it may be very confusing if you're just like, there is a, a hologram bird lady woman um, <laughs> who's standing here with Professor X. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's his That's his girlfriend. Uh, he's her consort. Um, I don't need to get into the full history of them, but um, they have history. And so she was just trying to comfort him well, in a well, moment of need. Yeah, he's he's emo about uh, Ileana dying. Um, <laughs> he's, he's super emo about the whole deal because obviously the seven-year-old girl, like you said, was killed this is colossus's little sister right is that correct yeah um yeah. and uh he's super bummed that this happened on his watch um which yeah. i was to me i was thinking to myself was this the first x-men to die under xavier's watch like no way right no um, it's not it's just that it's a little girl basically is what it boils yeah. down to so it's it's one of those like those more tragic deaths because they even like she was a. Uh, she was you know bedridden for a while in the comics and so you just have a lot of imagery if you read prior uncanny x-men issues of seeing her looking very sickly and sad in fact x-men number i think it was 301 was her uh or 303 might have been her death because oh, i think it was okay. issue right before this yeah. and it's a very sad issue it's like um <laughs> I can imagine. it's 
<laughs> it's yeah it's so it's so depressing and it ends with her death um it's also so sad colossus uh was away on a mission and hurrying back um and did not get there before she. oh died. no that was yeah uh, so that's another thing colossus is also super emo he is like at this point <laughs> screaming at xavier uh in the issue about the yeah. fact that you know xavier didn't do enough etc cetera, etc cetera. so they're fighting and this is like you said, right before this giant funeral, where, where everybody—I think it's everyone that comes together in the funeral, right? X Force, X Factor, yeah. X Men, all of them. Yeah, they're all yeah. there. It's—it's it's great. It's a really great setup to I'm a, what I'm going to let John reveal. <laughs> well, <laughs> and Colossus had also he um, prior to Ileana, he had been through. He he alludes to this a couple times in the book, um, in, in so many words or less, that his parents actually had died recently. Um, oh yeah, yeah that's and right. Yeah. Yeah. His brother had died recently, and so he's reeling from this fact that he left home and his family in order to, you know, participate in Xavier's dream. And all that's gotten him to his perspective is the death of everyone he loves in his family. Um, and so he's very despondent, emo, you might say. Um, and uh, yeah, we get, um, we also get a nice little, to talk about like a, we got the cable kind of info dump. We get a nice little Magneto origin story refresher as well in this comic where um, we cut away from the before the funeral and Magneto walks us through like kind of the driving force of his origin story of the, the death of his daughter at the hands of some humans who burned her in the house that she was in before he had powers. And that was the first uh, showing of his power that it burst forth from him from tragedy and he murdered those men. Um, also prior to that had experienced, you know, the tragedy of the Holocaust at, you know, the, uh, the camps. Yeah, this, um, this man loves to monologue. Let me tell you. <laughs> Magneto loves to monologue. And it's it's really interesting reading this too because like it's great that they give him a bunch of uh, motivation to be a bad guy. But mm -hmm. really it always boils down to the fact that he lost people that he loved and cared for. And yeah. um, and that's happened to all of us. It's, it's So it's an interesting parallel because you, you can kind of see like this guy's just taking it to the extreme. Um, yeah. Right. He's, he's, he's using his powers and he's just taking it to the extreme. This dude just needs to go to therapy. Just need, he just needs to go to therapy and then work it all out. Obviously, bad things have happened to him, just like just like us all. Uh, but <laughs> he will not stop I, trying to justify killing everybody. He will not stop. No, <laughs> not especially not during this era. Yeah, he, yeah. I I think you put it well. Uh, him and Professor X have always worked so well because they are the different ends of the spectrum of how you can react to great tragedy and difficulty. That's right. Where. Xavier, while not being a Holocaust survivor, has gone through plenty of tragedy, has has his own struggles, his own loss, mm -hmm. um, his own, uh, you know, difficulties, um, and and has seen, you know, in other instances, the worst moments and, and, and versions of humanity and continues to hold on to this this hope that humans and mutants can coexist and, and live together, um, not separate, but together. That's right. Um, yeah. and, but Magneto is like, no, humans are, I've seen the worst of them and the worst of them is something that you have to deal Ext with. Exterminate. Yeah. Exterminate. Yeah. And so we get back to the funeral and we have a little bit of moment between Shadowcat and Storm who noticed that Colossus is being emo and burning his paintings because he's just despondent <laughs> to that level. I mean, again, yeah, I don't want to make light of the fact that he lost his family, but it's it's great motivations that the the comic book writers have written in here. We're like, everybody's lost everybody, and everyone's so sad, 
uh, which is why they're making all these horrible decisions or, or, you know, in some cases, drastic decisions. Yeah. Difficult choices. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, Banshee and Bishop have a little moment talking about like the, you know, funerals and how possible futures work because Bishop's a time traveler who's trying to, you know, um, uh, thwart his future. He's another one. He's like a cable where he's got a bad future and wants it to not happen. Um, and then we get to the funeral and that's where Colossus is furious and yelling at Professor X. Um, and uh, Professor X really isn't fighting him on it. Um, but before they can resolve that, that's when Magneto and the Acolytes crash the party. And they show and they show up to the funeral, which is awesome. Like it's such a it's a it's a great way to reveal all of these bad guys all at once and have an have an amazing fight. Yes, big set piece moment. If it was a movie. Um, and uh there's actually even a nice little moment right before like uh they you know magneto really gets into one of his big old monologues about the whole thing and, and yeah. reveals avalon uh just hovering above them um where cyclops actually like points out like uh foreshadows wolverine's fate by telling him you know like tell him like do not go fight magneto you're the worst person to go fight magneto you're Stop full of metal <laughs> don't <Yeah>. do it <laughs> yeah. which by the way, Wolverine at this point has been fighting Magneto since 1975. <laughs> um, still hasn't learned his lesson. Yeah. Almost 20 years of fighting the man who can manipulate metal. Um, and <laughs> multiple times in this like uh, uh, crossover event, like launches himself at Magneto because mm-hmm. he's just Wolverine. He's That's Wolverine. what he does. That's what he does, yeah. He doesn't hold his emotions well. Again, go to therapy. Um <laughs> And uh, that's this is where, you know, Magneto kind of makes a final call to all of them and like really cements himself as like he is the savior. He is the god of the mutants. Um, he even like has this really disturbing moment where he shows almost like as a test to people's faith. He he um, oh, yeah. kills one of his acolytes. It's the it's the guy who had scarred the nurse from uh, X Factor. Um, yeah, Sanyaka. Sanyaka, um, yeah, just just absolutely obliterates him. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's with brutal. his own powers. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and 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 Magneto through certain means. Don't worry about the details of it. He's also super powered at this point, and Magneto has always grown more and more in power. And at this point, he's considered an Omega level mutant. Um, uh, and so he is like uber powerful right now to the point where he is controlling the iron and everybody's blood and freezing them all in place so that he can have his nice little monologue moment. <laughs> um, and, but the, but unbeknownst to him, some mutants have um, uh, powers that don't need to be um, turned on or moved to do. And so Bishop who absorbs energy is slowly growing more and more powerful as Magneto, like just, gives his little life story to everybody. Um, And uh, he also like mentions the legacy virus again in this speech. Um, But like, as he's like just crescendoing into a big moment, uh, Bishop uh, takes him fully out with a big old blast. Um, And then the X-Men kind of like learn from this moment and just start pouring energy into uh, Bishop um because they're like okay this guy can is is, i guess the uh the foil to magneto Mm -hmm. um and so they're just like shooting everything they can into this uh this poor sponge of a man um uh that's this is also where rogue um tries to have a moment with magneto she's got a very complicated sometimes romantic relationship with magneto um she kisses him and she's like stop it don't do this stop (laughs) i'm just like again i'm the reason I'm saying it like this is because I'm so tired of everybody trying to turn Magneto like, yep. and it's, and, and you'll, as we, 
you know, we'll get to it. But, uh, but yeah, Rogue does it. Uh, she kisses him. Come on, stop it, Magnus. Don't do that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, even by the end of this issue, they haven't resolved Magneto. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's a it's a big fight. Uh, Bishop, you know, is is you know now powered up and is just totally hammering onto Magneto to the point of almost killing him. He would have if not for the fact that uh, Colossus betrays everybody and decides he wants to join Magneto and Avalon and like <gasps> sucker punches Bishop. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and it's a it's a big deal. It's cuz I remember being when I was reading I was like, "Whoa, what? Colossus." Um which is again a great setup by the authors to be like, uh, you know, he's ah, he's super bummed and this is why he's like I've decided to join Magneto. Um and, yeah, and Col- it, it Colossus, takes a lot of uh, groundwork. Yeah, no, it's good. It's really it's really cool. It's a great moment. Um and so since Bishop's out of, out of the works and Magneto is back to like being able to do what he wants to do, that's when him and Professor X get in there. Let's go. Let's go. Battles. This is this is the this is the shit that I was like super excited about when I was a kid. And also it's now I, as an adult is is watching these two because like it, there's nothing better than having the reluctant hero be like, fuck it. <laughs> you know, like now it's on. And that's what I was super excited about reading this is Xavier being like, I'm so tired of this shit and he like it's it's just great because they they monologue at each other for a second and xavier's like i've had enough of you uh and one thing we didn't talk about is that the they, that magneto's been holding this base over like a city or something right he's gonna drop this yeah, this he, base on a city is that what's gonna it's gonna kill a bunch of people well, he's like he's holding it in the atmosphere he, he it's it is primed with alien weapons and all that kind of technology it, yeah. but it is being held there by magneto's powers which when Bishop starts hammering on him. That's when like uh, Gene and Storm are like having to hold Avalon together because they don't want it to fall. Of course, if, yeah. If Magneto like falls, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. And so and, and then Xavier, uh, like I just to, the finer points of it. I'm sure John will get to, but <clears throat> no. You, by, by all means, take it away. Oh no, I was just. Gonna, it's just exciting because Xavier is like, look, I've tried for years and years and years. We're best friends. We talked about this a thousand times, and at this point now, you're trying to kill millions of people. So I've had enough. And he like uses all of his force, Xavier's telekinetic force, and just shoots the base into space. <laughs> he just yeah, rockets he actually, it into space. It's fucking awesome. It's, it's really rad. He takes over Magneto's mind and uses his own powers to then rocket Magneto and the base. Oh, out so, of, it's so know, great. The atmosphere. It's a very cool moment. Yeah. But it is very much like if you're reading it and, and you're like, uh, you know, you don't know what's happening next. You're like, that doesn't resolve it, it professor. Like it's of just course. You're, you're you're delaying the fight. That, that's um, right. And, yeah, and, yeah. You're right. You're right. It's a show of power, but it's not anything that's going to solve like the Magneto problem. He still won't make like the hard calls of like. But it's something that actually... Xavier would do, though, right? Because again, he's like, I'm tired of this. I, I, I you know, I should have done this a long time ago, but he doesn't kill him. <laughs> no, and <laughs> so. th- and that's like a that's a thing that is a constant part of Xavier's story is that he is the most powerful mind on the planet. He has telepathy that connects him to every mind on the planet. If he had a thought, he could turn off everybody. Um, and, but he chooses 
always at all times to not do those things, to not take over minds, to not manipulate everything. He could, he is literally within power at all times to solve the mutant human relations right. problem That's if right. he wanted to. Yeah. But he knows that it would be a false solution, and so he chooses not to. So that's why they're it's they're they're few and far between. But these are really cool moments because it is Xavier going full force because he's like, he 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 doesn't do this often. Um, yeah. But that concludes it. There's a nice little moment where he's falling back into Earth, and Archangel grabs him, and I think it's a cute little moment. It is. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't resolve anything. And so that's why we get into um, uh, a very historical issue, X-Men number 25. Um, great issue. Where Just an amazing, great. amazing issue. Yeah. The humans have all seen what happened in the prior issue. They've all, they all experienced uh, what was happening, you know, Avalon hovering over them and causing huge problems, you know, in the atmosphere and in cities. And so they institute the Magneto protocols um, and, and um, they, this is whole thing where they have these satellites all around the planet. It's like, a, it's a thing that the United Nations and all nations have agreed upon. And it creates this magnetic field around uh, the earth that makes it so Magneto's powers wouldn't work on Earth anymore because they've kind of shifted it in a way that doesn't work for anymore. And so it seems like that should protect them, but instead Magneto like goes right up to the border of it and just does this ginormous electromagnetic pulse that travels across the entire planet. They have this really cool like uh, series of panels where they're like five minutes after you know the pulse, seven minutes after the pulse. It's a big, it's a big EMP, right? He just drops an EMP yeah. basically on the Earth, and like I would assume gets rid of all sorts of different machines that they don't work anymore. <laughs> so yeah, he turns yeah. off machines. They reference that like it's probably hundreds, if not thousands, has to be thousands of deaths. Oh, at like, least you think at about least. Yeah. planes crashing and hospitals turning off and just all that. Kind they don't of stuff, show that, know? which is interesting in this, in this issue, they didn't show people dying. You just, they only, it's like a one line explainer of like, here's what may have happened. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, it's kind of like they only have so many pages that they can print of for each issue. Yeah, so yeah. they're like, we're yeah. going to get into instead uh, the X-Men's like final assault on Avalon. Um, Professor X has donned this Shi'ar exoskeleton that's powered He's walking. This is a big deal. He's walking. He's walking. <laughs> Uh, it's a it's a common thing I have to talk about on this podcast because people read where we've, we've jumped around in time a lot and so sometimes people are like see the professor X in a wheelchair they're like that's usual and then they're like seeing him walking like why is he walking like listen professor X sometimes walks <laughs> professor X sometimes his wheelchair okay again this character has been around since 1960s things happen okay um, in this instance he's only walking because he's using his psi abilities to power this exoskeleton that's correct uh, that's right um, and so they kind of plan this big old heist on Avalon that where not everyone is going um, partially because they only need certain people to be out there partially because they don't they're going to be in space so they don't need big old super powerful laser people who are going to puncture a hole in the base and and make everybody die and partially because they don't know if they're going to come back um, and Xavier wants to leave some people to keep his legacy going like Cyclops and Iceman and his originals um, except for Gene he takes Gene with him <laughs> well of course yeah I mean you got to take Gene well, he's he references that this exoskeleton's taking some of his powers, so he often uses Gene in these instances to like boost his power. Mm -hmm. They they silink and are able to do that, um, and so they uh, they get to the base, um, manage to uh, use the body slide technology to teleport all of Magneto's acolytes off the base. Um, but hold on, how, and, wait, wait, John, how did they get into the base? That doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't there be security protocols that would uh, not allow them in? 
Oh, that's very smart. I totally jumped over that. They they <laughs> thought they were hidden. They thought they had gotten all of the technology right to keep them on, but in fact, Colossus sees them, but he turns off the defenses so they don't track them. And because that's Colossus a reveal later, them. yeah, that's a reveal. Later. Yeah, he's not fully bad. He's like he he just wants to like try something different. And also, it's not until uh they don't even mention it until you get to the Excalibur tie-in where they reference he had like a a a, a brain injury. Um, previously oh, yeah. Yeah. in this um, uh, issue, X-Men Annual number 17, um, where this guy named the Executioner, he did this thing where he hit him over the head. Um, it's not even fully like explained in the comic. <laughs> I went and read it, um, uh, which happens sometimes. You know, it's just like you just go, okay, it's fine. It happens. Um, and he like has a brain injury, and that's what kind of left him uh, in a in in kind of a state where – he was his emotions were turned off and he was uh, numb to everything mm-hmm. um, and thought that his only option was to go and join uh, Magneto. Um, but he's got enough of his wits about him that he doesn't, you know, let Magneto know that his X-Men are there. And so that's where we kind of have this this big old fight where it's kind of like the the physical fight is happening on the material plane while there's this mental fight happening with like Professor X and Gene versus Magneto's brain. And so they're all trying to keep his physical body like uh, occupied. Mag- you know, Gambit throws a card at his face, and there's all that stuff going on. Um, and, and while Xavier's trying to like, he's trying to change Magneto's mind. He's even like altering his memories to try to yeah. change his he, motivation. He, he's he's trying to show him the. It's hilariously force him to see the error of his ways via his own memories, um, which you know whatever nice try xavier it's never gonna work but at least he's trying <laughs> without yeah, killing him he's, he's, you know? <laughs> yeah he he's still even to this point he's holding back um he's you know the option is there of like the kill switch um but he's like no with gene we can like we can fix his brain just make him so that he doesn't think that he needs to do this yeah. um or at least just subdue him even because he's so overpowered it's even hard to subdue him and this is where there's a moment where Wolverine does manage to attack Magneto. It's a bit confusing in the comics because there's this panel where he just shreds up Magneto's chest, but then they cut to Magneto's chest and it's just like his costume is gone. It's like really, it's really weird. It's not, it's not cause like he, what I saw was he dove in Wolverine dove in on Magneto and basically get like, gets his claws all the way into his stomach. Yeah. Guts him. And, and but he, but he doesn't like shred him. He just like stabs him. And then, yeah. And then, and then, after that you're right there's just no blood there's not there's nothing he just looks fine <laughs> so i i think it's one of those moments where like for some reason the comics authority might have been like no you can't show that i don't know i, I, I you'd have to talk to the writers and artists at the time but yeah, yeah. they reference that he's like mortally wounded even if you can't see it that he's like he's holding in his chest cavity basically in the next panel over um and this is where um, you know, Professor X has failed to 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 win the mind fight, um, and uh, Magneto uh, kind of does the final straw, where he references that Wolverine has been his great foe for so many years, has been the great antithesis to him, and um, he does the unthinkable, where he rips through magnetic force all of the adamantium that is laced all throughout Wolverine's skeleton out of him through his like pores oh, and, it's great. And, and wounds. What a panel. What a panel this is. This is just such a cool, like I remember this and I, I was like, cause I knew this happened. I just didn't know when. And it's, yeah. it's so cool to see this. Well, because this moment you, echoed 
it, yeah. it echoed through like comics that's and right. comics history for a long time. Yeah, that's right. That's great. It's very cool. It's it, it's it's um I I highly recommend if to to check this out cuz it's just it's fun to experience these historic moments in comics history cuz he almost kills Wolverine at this point. Wolverine is being held together by like Jean Grey's telekinetic powers and like they're turning off the pain parts of his brain so he doesn't just go completely insane. Um and so that's when, you know, this is the last draw. Professor X like witnesses this atrocity that Magneto does. And he breaks his rule and fully just wipes yeah, Magneto's brain. That's right. He does. He pulls um, the uh, Avatar The Last Airbender where uh, I don't know if you have you seen Avatar at all, John? You'd love yeah, it. Okay, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's a great movie. Uh, no. Uh, hey, how dare you? <laughs> um, no. At the end at the end of the animated series. Uh, do you remember what happens at the end of the animated series? Yeah. 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 He, okay, he turns right. off. He just turns. The, he turns off uh, Ozai's um, powers. He just gets rid of them. Yeah um and it's great xavier goes above and beyond that and turns off his like just full-on brain yeah, and yeah. vegetates yeah he just vegetates and that's right it's cool that's really which cool. is another uh iconic scene that i remember seeing in so many like you know wizard magazine and on the internet and that kind of thing of this that that panel of xavier just that beam of energy coming out of his brain just yeah. just potatoing finally Magneto. finally jeez just yeah. just do it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. It, I think they they knew they were they, like this whole thing is just a build up, and you are echoing probably what everybody was thinking is like just murder the man. He is, <laughs> He's killing he is, millions he, of people. Yeah, <laughs> please stop him. You know, like. <laughs> and so Professor X does it, which is great. That Professor X like does like something that's justified, and even at that point, Gene is like, "You broke your rule." It's like, yeah, he did. <laughs> he had to. It is. It is really so funny. You, You're right. All the other X Men around. Uh, Xavier, like, oh, what are you doing, Charles? We're like, what the fuck? Like, he, he maybe it's killing As millions Wolverine of people. Is, yeah, <laughs> you know, and he's almost yeah, he's almost murdered Wolverine. I, who gives a shit about Wolverine? All the other people <laughs> on Earth are getting decimated, and the X Men are like, come on, Charles, don't hit him with the big knockout punch. It's like, come on, Jeez. yeah, it's great. Um, it, it ends with uh, the X Men fleeing in the Blackbird jet who came that Colossus flag to come and get them. Mm-hmm. Um, Colossus says he's going to stay and take care of Magneto and the Acolytes. He still thinks that he's meant to be there. Um, and so he, he you know, stays on Avalon as they leave. And that's the end of X-Men uh, issue number 25. Those, those, two, those two issues are just like bangers, man. The, 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 so uh, good. Yeah, the Uncanny X-Men. Uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, what is it? Issue 304 of the Uncanny X-Men and then X-Men number 25. Just awesome. My gosh. I have a... I have a great, uh, I, I love to buy um, bootleg printed shirts off of like creators on Instagram. And I have one that is, there's that panel of Magneto's monologue right before he rips the adamantium out of Wolverine. It's this great big shot of him just glowing hands and he's got monologue yep. bubbles around him of words. And I have that on a shirt and I love it. It's so cool. Man, it's so cool. Uh, um, so Wolverine is in a bad state. And so that's where there's two issues that are the final tie-ins of uh, fatal attractions that it's Wolverine number 75 and Excalibur 71. And they're not necessary for you to read to like, have gotten the gist of the story, but they do have some fun, like uh, tying up like last things into it to, to like lead up to what's going to happen in the aftermath of this. And the first one's in Wolverine uh, number 75. And it basically is a, a long story of, them uh the x-men you know re-entering earth's atmosphere in a broken blackbird that's not meant to do this kind of travel um while 
Professor X and Jean Grey try to keep Wolverine alive. Wolverine has gone through, again, he's been around since 1970s. He's gone through different iterations of like how powerful his healing factor is. And same, same in the movies um, where, you know, they, in X-Men one, you know, he's recovering from stab wounds and that kind of thing. But by uh, X-Men, the last stand, he's, you know, recorporating himself as Jean Grey disintegrates parts of his body. With her telekinesis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the same thing in the comics. And so at this point, it, it like to kind of like give it context, his, there's limitations to his healing factor. Like people think he can die. Um, and that's what they keep, you know, kind of emphasizing that he is on the brink of death constantly, you know, goes into cardiac rest at one point and they're worried about seizures and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I still think it's a really fun, uh, story it's a it's a great uh tense you know crash landing scene um of the x-men trying to keep the blackbird together and and you know know, like quicksilver is like manually doing crazy things to uh, super speed because their automated systems are down and wolverine and gene love each other we they got to remind us over and over (laughs) yeah 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 i mean gene's got always has a strong connection with wolverine um you'll you'll love it at this point they're basically in a like a, a a little a polyamory situation between Gene, yeah. Cyclops, and Wolverine. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. Um, well, they literally are right now in the comics. Um, oh, oh, you mean like right now in, in twenty twenty? Yeah, right now. That's fun. Basically, everybody on the mutant island nation Krakoa in current comics is a bunch of uh, bisexuals all having polyamorous relationships. Oh, it's fantastic. Okay, there you go. Um, all right, all right. And so, yeah, so Gene's like trying to like help Xavier keep uh, Wolverine's like mind intact this whole time, but then also like the the plane is like disintegrating around them. So then they have to use gene to keep the plane together. I got to call out the um, art in this, in this specific issue of Wolverine 75. Cause the cover of Wolverine 75 is like iconic. It's awesome. And then there's yeah, it's got his, like that, that adamantium is pouring out of him still. Oh, it's so great. It's such a great uh, cover. And then also there's a really sick, uh, I think it's an image of him as weapon X, um, mm-hmm. fighting off Charles in his mind. That is just, yeah. gosh, it's just so good. Like the, the, the art in this, uh, I honestly, this stood out to me how good this was in Wolverine. Yeah. I, uh, I, I thought this was a, a very good issue. And yeah, you're right. The art is beautiful. There's, there's th- these great panels of like him in his tank in the weapon X program, you know, being prepped to have the adamantium added to him. And, and yeah, he's like in his weapon X, like big old helmet form fighting, uh, like a, a, a mental version of Magneto who like rips him apart into pieces. And then, He's, you know, mentally he's, he's on his way to on the brink of death and he's visited by this visage of, uh, Ileana as a, as an angel who he thinks is welcoming him to death, but she instead like is pushing him away, telling him like, don't go into that, you know, great beyond, (laughs) um, and it's all like building up to this, like the, the, the jet is falling apart. They're all going to die. And Jean Grey's on the outside of the jet holding on like Tom Cruise on the outside of a plane. Uh, and like, she's about to fly away. And, and Wolverine who finally has recovered thanks to his healing factor grabs her and, and pulls her in. Um, it's a great action hero moment. It is. Um, it is really good. Yeah. It's I, for sure. I could see this uh, as a part of a movie at some point. For sure. Absolutely. And then they they manage to land and they're all fine. And there's a great like kind of almost like epilogue at the end of this of really giving people an idea of where Wolverine is with his powers and his station with the X-Men. Because um, it, it's kind of confusing if you're reading this and, and you kind of know now the truth about Wolverine. Because, again, if you've even seen the movies alone, everyone knows like, yeah, he has bone claws. 
um, that are that are covered in oh, animation. Spoiler, John. Spoiler. <laughs> this is a great reveal that I forgot was in this issue. Is that at the yeah? Because Wolverine comes out and he's like. He's like, oh, I don't have my adamantium anymore. I got my healing factor, but it's kind of messed up. Like, I'll try and fight some drones uh, in Xavier's in the danger room. Yeah, in the danger room, just to just to see what happens, just to see how I do. Like, I'm I'm still Wolverine, you know. And uh, yeah. he gets in there and kind of gets beat up, and like all the X Men are like, "No, don't stop it, Logan! You're not gonna do it! You're not gonna make it!" And uh, he's like, "I could do it!" And he he's screaming. It's a great panel again. Amazing art of him yelling, and then claws shoot out of him. And everyone's like, what the f- where did those come from? Uh, yes. And they're, because, you know, we all assumed they were adamantium claws, not bone claws. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's great. So then you get to see that he actually has real claws in his body, not just adamantium. Yeah, it, it, everyone had been operating under the assumption that Weapon X had put those claws in him when they had laced his body with adamantium. Um, and Wolverine having his screwed up memory still at this point where he doesn't know all the details of his past... Um, he was surprised too. And, and then on top of that, it's even more like, uh, uh, morbid and gross because, um, his healing factor is not working very well or at all. And so when he pops out the claws, it's very bloody and painful. And, and, and he, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a great moment after that where he's talking with a uh, Jubilee, like they're kind of hanging out by this tree outside and uh, he points out that like he has to keep popping them open every once in a while or else they close up for good because of his <laughs> healing factor. It's like a piercing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that it hurts every single time that that panel in itself, the one where, uh, you know, she he says, I pop him out a few times a day, keeps the channel open like pierced ears. And she says, so it stopped hurting. And he says, nope. And he says, um, hurts every time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's it's great. That's that's also like. That's big X-Men lore is happening right there, you know, live on the page. That's great. Um, That's really great. Yeah. He does the Wolverine thing and decides he needs to leave the mansion to go deal with this, all this new stuff and writes a letter to Jubilee saying goodbye. Um, yeah. And that's basically all that really happens in that. It's it's just, a, if, if you're a Wolverine fan, this is a great Wolverine issue, mm-hmm. which is good. Mm-hmm. That's right. And again, like, and so, I, I was just impressed by uh, by the art in that one. Yeah, uh, that's um, Adam Kubert was the penciler for that, um, and he did a fantastic job. Um, so cool. I, I was always a kid. I was always a dumb kid with reading comics where I was young, and I just I read the title. That's I just followed the titles. Oh, of course. Like, yeah. No matter what, yeah. I read X Men. No matter what, I read Uncanny X Men. No matter what, I read Green Lantern. That kind of stuff. And I had heard like from some of my older comic buddies that like you know oh or like snobby ones that I thought were snobby at times like I like to follow you know writers or authors. And now in my old age, I'm like, I 100% do that. If there is a writer that is just so good, I will follow them around to projects, whether they be at Marvel, DC, Image Vertical, whatever. Yeah, of course. Um, so happy to always point out, because art is the same way. Um, one of my favorite runs of Thor was uh, uh, you know, uh, written by uh, Russell Dodderman. Not written by, but drawn by Russell Dodderman. Mm-hmm. And the man just draws the most beautiful art that I'm like, I will just read whatever you draw. It's so it's that good. It transcends like even the, the text. Oh, wow. That's Um, that's awesome. And then we can wrap this up really quickly with, uh, just a quick cover of what happens in Excalibur 71. Um, it's a very confusing issue. If you don't know all these, (laughs) other than nightcrawler, who is like my favorite X-Men, but I'd forgotten that even he was in charge of this team that was pretty short lived. I think who knows? (laughs) 
Well, it it was it actually been around for quite a while. Um, uh, there's uh, Excalibur was the marriage of some X Men characters like Nightcrawler and Shadowcat um, with these um, British characters. Oh, um, that's why it's called Excalibur. Original, yeah, <laughs> oh, you, you got to think about like back in the you know eighties and nineties. You know, we live in this era where now we have access to almost anything everywhere, international or not. Um, as long as like someone makes a, a publishing deal, we'll get it. You know, yeah. that's why I'm able to watch Bluey here in America. Um, and, but at this time, like people in like England back in the day, they did not have access, easy access to American comics. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've heard plenty of stories now, like listening to podcasts and interviews of these, these, you know, British, uh, comic fans or even like creators when they grew up and they were like, we just didn't have, we, I couldn't get a hold of all these comics. And so the, one of the ones they did publish in, in Britain was the story of, you know, Captain Britain, which is where Elizabeth Braddock comes from, who we, most people know as Psylocke, um, she is the sister of, of, of Brian Braddock, who's Captain Britain. Um, and so Excalibur was the marriage of those two stories, the Captain Britain stories and some of the X-Men stuff. And it was like, you know, a Nightcrawler let it. It's why there's a panel in this where like, um, I can't remember who asked Nightcrawler, but they're like, what's the state of all the people in Excalibur? And he kind of rattles off all these <laughs> random characters yeah, that you're like, yep. Who is this? Yeah, I don't yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Megan, Sirius, uh, and and Micromax, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I know who these people are. Don't worry about it. it is, they're not important for this story. <laughs> um, I I do recommend though, if you want some good X Men reading, read that original run of Excalibur at the beginning because it's not only wonderfully written, but it's drawn beautifully by this artist Alan Davis, who oh, creates cool. great art. Um, all that this issue is covering is it's finally like it's bringing up that whole thing like colossus has a brain injury this might be the reason why he's going to magneto will trick him to come here via shadow cat kitty pride his girlfriend um and then we'll capture him we'll do cyclops surgery on him um and we'll see if that fixes it um <laughs> and uh it's it's a lot to go on and and it's like it's again you kind of said it correctly at the top of this episode it was you know it's a way to try to get people to check out these other titles um because you know everyone recognizes the term x-men but then like excalibur you're like what is that i don't recognize the people on this cover of this issue but you know nightcrawler Um, (laughs) you you know nightcrawler (laughs) that's what it is you know it's it's the spinoff series where like i don't know these people but i know who kelsey Grammer is and i liked him in cheers so i guess i'll watch (laughs) frazier yeah exactly Um, exactly yep and uh and so yeah they do that whole thing it does end in them successfully it kind of ends nicely I th- it could have gone bad because it was like shadow cat you know using her relationship with colossus to lure him back to earth because she's like i want to join magneto um and they capture him but they do manage to like fix his brain um and then they say then they say you're c- free to go you can go hang out with magneto if you want or whatever so yeah and and, yeah. and, it, and it sets up this really fun era of colossus where he does remain on avalon you know with exodus and a a, a vegetable magneto but he now is staying there to like see if he can be a light that will show them that this way of violence and uh you know you know genocide isn't the way to do it like he he, he's got altruistic reasons of why he's going to stay there not just because he's despondent about xavier's dream or the death of his sister he's like i could do good here 
Um, I still want to, like, he's like, I want to try something different, but I don't want it to be just something of violence. So I'm going to go to Avalon and try to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I like it because uh, one, it just kind of is a is a change of you know where you find these characters. Colossus working with Magneto is kind of cool. Also, on a very like uh, surface level note, it's a really cool Colossus costume from his history. It is, yeah, you're um, right. That's true. I love good pauldrons. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> great. Uh, Colossus in a cape, that's fun. Uh, so you know, it's part it's part of this is just like being a kid liking the visuals, and when they change costumes, it's fun. Yep, that's um, true. You're right. So that's all that happens in this issue. Uh, it, they try to kind of give a little bit of a status update on Excalibur. This is the beginning of when Excalibur, which was typically uh, a London-based team, this is where they're like, we want to join Moira McTaggart here on Muir Island in Scotland um, and make this our base of operations and be more of like the fixers um, instead of the fighters of the X-Men cause. Um, and so, again, this is like the 30th anniversary of X-Men, so you can clearly kind of tell they're like this is them trying to reignite interest in all the titles um because like from this point forward we're like big changes um cable returned to x-force and excalibur is now on muir island with moyer mctaggart um and all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. um that's great it, but any other, other reflections from excalibur uh, that you that i didn't cover no not really it was just more of like the again it was back to the x-force and x-factor of it where i was like i mean i know who nightcrawler is but then the other ones uh who yeah at least again at least they tried to explain who those characters were uh nightcrawler kind of like laundry lists them down um yeah but i mean you know being an adult i know what's going on they're trying to sell copies of other comics uh and that's totally fine um so this is like a very late epilogue i think to the actual events of uh the x-men so yeah that's yeah, good. It's so, great. It's really good. That's Fatal Attractions. How do you feel you fared reading it? Uh, what do you mean by how do I? How do you feel I fared? What, like, like coherently understanding what was going on, not getting too you know frustrated or confused. I always wanted. That's part of the experiment of the show. Is oh yeah to see like you know even without a ton of prior knowledge, can you still enjoy you, this story? So you brought up like it is. It is confusing at times. Because some of the action, honestly, you know what this made me really excited about was uh, movies. <laughs> um, some of the action in these comic books, like, clearly had to either be censored or they just couldn't portray what's really going on with mutant powers yeah. and these fights. And I was just so grateful <laughs> for uh, the MCU because thinking about the fight, of, you know, the Captain America fight at the end of um, Endgame with all of the, all, you know, <laughs> all of the MCU characters versus Thanos. It's just so cool. The, the scene where everybody dumped their chest of toys out and just that's had everybody ex- all ex- fight. Exactly. And and that's what you always imagined when you read these comics. Um, yeah. And it made me, uh, number one, nostalgic for those movies, but then also nostalgic for things that we haven't seen yet. And I can't believe, I cannot believe they have not brought the X-Men in to the MCU, John, what is going on? Yeah. What's happening? Like I, I'm, dude, I, I'm I, there with you as well. Honestly, like I think Feige's a genius, but they have dropped the ball so hard on not bringing the X Men in, and also obviously this most recent phase of MCU is not very good. But regardless, no, um, I have a theory. Okay, all right, what's your theory? Please tell me. My theory is a lot of this is timing that um, they 
obviously couldn't do much work until the full deal had been of course closed, and that that closed what, handed over was that 2019 2020 yeah and so the timing then is is that um one they finally get the deal closed and so they're not going to want to rush into this no matter what they're going to want to be able to utilize this hyper valuable title and ip um as best as they can then on top of that COVID happens and decimates mm. how well mm-hmm. the movie industry is working. Mm-hmm. So then we lose even more time. Not only do they want to take their time and do this right, but they can't even get started very much on it right. because right. no one can even make movies or go to movies. Yeah. And so that's where we're seeing this very, I agree with you, a, a, a lackluster phase of MCU because I don't think this was anybody's plan ever. I think they were like, they were putting so much time and energy and resources into the acquisition of the X-Men IP that that was going to be their big thing. And so then phase four, and now we're in like phase five, Kang is the beginning of phase five. Yeah. Um, I think they had to make revisions. I mean, even even Black Panther had to make revisions. Yeah, you know? no, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Chadwick Boseman died and they had to like completely change the movie. Yeah, no, that's true. And so I'm, I'm you, you got to believe I'm like 100% there with you where I'm like, give me my damn x-men movies it just okay. doesn't it doesn't make I, any sense there's this whole market of us that they're yeah. not capitalizing on and honestly they're losing us like people are dropping off in droves yeah from the mcu and and by the time that they're like hey it's colossus we're all gonna be like we don't give a shit <laughs> you know like um and that's kind of what i'm like well they're, they're well, blowing actually, it they're I, blowing it i i i'm actually at the point where i'm getting to the point where i I'm worried about them introducing the X because I'm seeing yeah. such like missteps with characters. Like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to rain anybody's parade. If you like movies, you can like them. They're subjective. So like, this is my <laughs> of course, so of don't. course. <laughs> but like, Quantum Mania, um, I had high hopes for it. I I think Kang is a great character. Uh, Jonathan Majors is a beautiful actor. Kills it. Um, Just kills it. And. That movie sucked. Yeah. That movie was terrible. It, it, it's um, it wasn't great. <laughs> it wasn't great. No, and and, and it, it was the launch of their next phase. I know. You know, I it's know. the Iron Man one of Phase Five. Yeah. Um, and even Phase Four, while it launched with a, or, or or I don't remember if it was the launch thing, but like Spider Man No Way Home was fantastic. Great, and, yeah. And a ton of like great member berries all throughout it. Uh, it 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 was followed by a bunch of like, eh, like multiverse of madness, eh, mm-hmm. uh, love and thunder, eh, mm-hmm. you know, like all these movies. And then the TV shows while launching with some great ones like WandaVision and Loki kind of petered off. And, and, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't really care for Hawkeye. It was fine. It was fine. It's fine. It was fine. Um, no, it was fine, but it wasn't, she Hulk yeah. was fine. It was fine. You know, yeah. Miss Marvel was fine, yeah. but I like, I'm just, that's a long way of me saying that. Like now I'm like, if you guys introduce the X-Men and it's a turd, I'm I'm done. I'm done. Absolutely. I'm go- I, I will stop. Well, I will stop. Well, that's why like it was I remember predicting back in 2019 at in uh, Infinity War and Endgame I was like they're going to show the X-Men. They got to show at least yeah, the tease, yeah. right? They're going to show like yeah. one or two get a Wolverine jump in there something like that. Anything. It'll be the uh the the post-credit scene. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I was like this I can't wait. Like that's this is there it's just going to they're going to keep rolling making billions of dollars and now they waited four years. I'm like, what in the world is going? So like, I don't usually ke- fault Kevin Feige for this stuff, but I really think they're dropping the ball. Um, and reading these comics, rem- like reading this this whole thing, I was like, they have so much awesome material so to much, capitalize so on the X Men, and they're not doing it, and it's blowing well, my even, mind. So 
even now with the stuff they're announcing that they're going to do things with, you can tell that they're they're not scraping the bottom of the barrel because some of these stories are huge. Secret Wars, huge, huge Marvel yeah, story. Yeah, it's a huge one, yeah. Secret Invasion, huge Marvel story. These are big things, but like the X-Men have been pivotal in some of the biggest Marvel events ever. And, and, and even just just because the X-Men IP has been as big as the rest of the Marvel IP for years That's because right. it became the face of X-Men. I, I mean, a face of Marvel other than Spider-Man. They are the face of yeah. Marvel. Oh, yeah. Um, and like even this, like this is going over six titles that were going on at the time with all like huge casts of people. And so the, the X-Men universe is enormous, which is why I do this this podcast because <laughs> it's so enormous that if you don't know who all these dumb characters are, it can be confusing because you recognize some from the movies or the cartoons, but you're like, I don't, I don't know who, who random is. Do I need to know who random is? Is that, do I need to? And it's like, no, you don't need to know, but I can tell you who he is. So you at least understand like yeah. he's, he can turn his body parts into weapons. That's why you see him turn his arms into guns in that one panel. Um, Oh, and so I like I, I I it's it's a lot and and so they've not been able to tap into you know I mean even the X Men turned into two different teams at the beginning of this 1991 reboot where they're like we're X Men Gold and we're X Men Blue and X Men Blue is run by Cyclops and X Men Gold is run by Storm yeah because they're so big um, that I mean they could just hand over the MCU to X Men stories totally. for years totally and, and yeah. it would be f- you know even you and I reference like things that aren't even a title in this like Generation X you've got Generation X you've got yeah. you know so many other things that were happening um but I I I imagine there will be a point you know let's say several years from now where we'll be like there's too much x-men stuff they've made too much x-men stuff i mean will we because, care though at that point will, will, I know. will we like will i even be watching these movies anymore? like it's 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 such, such such a bummer i like just you know like the pinnacle was in game and infinity war and we're now down in here and i keep waiting for all of these amazing x-men stories to flesh out in the mcu and they just they haven't nothing we got nothing we have zero we don't have well yeah. we'll have a um we'll have a cartoon this year is this year x-men 97 um oh man so we'll get a cartoon oh, which i'm excited geez. about okay. but yeah, but, it, but it's yeah. not like i get it you want to add to the canon of mcu because yeah. that's a it feels satisfying to add to the canon of course um yeah. and uh it's we 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 I, have they they've not even announced like any x-men titles they, have they nah, they may have announced like one or two things that could i think they're still holding it pretty close to the chest but regardless like I know that they're fleshing out Fantastic Four, which is good. Yeah. Uh, finally, because I feel like that that's sort of the beginning of bringing in these other teams. Um, but I'm really from the Fox acquisition. Yeah, from the yeah, but it's just kind of blowing my mind that they have not put anything in that is X Men related yet. It's uh, bonkers. It is bonkers. I don't. I just. Uh, I like. If it were me, I'd be shaking Kevin Feige being like, you got to put this shit in now, <laughs> you know, like, or else you're losing well, people. You're, you're doing, you're losing people right now. So I do forget. We do have a uh, Deadpool three coming with the oh, yeah. inclusion of, 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 and, and there has been like, you know, leaks or, or, or whisperings, whether they're substantiated or not of like some cool inclusion in that kind of stuff. Um, so we'll see what happens with that, but maybe as a way to not end this podcast on a complete you know, bummer <laughs> of, a, of a thing, how about, how about I'll offer a little bit of a fun exercise. I'll ask you, Bruce, give me one, uh, dream casting of an X-Men character you would love. Oh my gosh. Who, who would, who, who would make you excited uh, to play 
any of these characters, if there is an actor that you're like, this is my Nightcrawler, this is my Wolverine, this is my Jean Grey. Um, oh. uh, I know there's a lot to pick from, and your your mind can just swell with the possibilities. Um, you want me to start off? I'm one so you, bad uh, at this, Sean. Yeah, you go. You go first. Okay. You go first because I gotta. I gotta think of something that like. Okay. All right. Yeah. Go, you go ahead. You go ahead. I'll I'll give you two. Um, there's one that there, there and there are two that people have already speculated as possibilities, and I just agree with both of these as p- potential people. One is recasting Wolverine. You're gonna have to. You gotta. Um, you have to. And I feel like we could do it even better than Hugh Jackman, which I know is blasphemy to a lot of people. And I love the man. <laughs> um, is Taron Egerton? Oh that yeah, man yeah. Is he's the right size? Um, because he's not super tall like Hugh Jackman, and I want short, buff, beefy Wolverine. Um, Wolverine's canonically five foot three in the comics. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and uh, he and Taron Egerton has been just knocking out of the park with every project he does. I just watched uh, uh finished a few weeks ago Blackbird. It's a great Apple TV series. Just Chef's Kiss, good, fantastic actor put him in that role and then i love people's idea i i they have to do it soon because the man's getting old um is professor x is Giancarlo esposito gus fring oh that's a great idea that yeah um i think you know seeing him in that like stoic role in, in better call saul and, and breaking bad and then also seeing him in like the boys you're like this man has leader vibes he has you know stoicism to him put him in a big old yellow hovering wheelchair and this is my professor i'm fine with that yeah that'd be rad uh, man that'd be i think that's great fan casting um who, have i have, have i have i have i given you enough time or have i distracted you with these possibilities no no well both um the uh I, i've been trying to think like i know we're casting pedro pascal and everything but there's there's gotta be something <laughs> which is okay there's i mean he's great that's the thing is he he's just he's a he's a genius so i was i was feeling pedro pascal but could we could we put him in a bad guy role? Could, I love it. Could we put him in as Magneto? Could we could oh. we could we do that just for fun? Just for fun. Oh man, I mean Magneto got got daddy vibes all the time and Pedro Pascal has that Absolutely. Down pat. Absolutely. And and that's why like I was just trying to think of somewhere where I could slot uh some some actors that have really been impressing me lately. Like there's also uh I think his name is Murray Bartlett from he's in White Lotus and also uh recently in Last of Us. Um, oh yeah and he's great he's great but i was trying to i don't know where i could put him in x-men he's just kind of like a he's just a kind of a, like a squirrely you know nervous energy he's, he's, type of guy yeah, he's older so it, it it gets harder to put him into some of the like the main x-men roles that's right yeah because um, yeah. he i was my brain went to because he's he's gay and has uh s- sassy energy and i'm like well that's Iceman. Um, oh yeah but he's too old to be he's too old to be right yeah but i mean like there's just some of the actors that have been impressing me recently and stuff that i've been watching um so i was trying to think of it's harder to you're right it's harder to fan cast older people um then like yeah, timothy chalamet is cyclops or yeah, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. they're gonna they're gonna like want to do a little bit of like some uh you know early casting so these people can sign on for like 10 it's kind of like chris hemsworth chris hemsworth was a baby yeah um you know you know veritably uh, when we they first got him as thor if you go watch thor one you're like oh that's a baby and the man has played that character for over a decade at this point yeah um and he's grown with it but yeah they're gonna want to like get these and again these other than uh, Robert Downey Jr. We didn't know who these people were. We didn't know really. Like we saw Chris Evans in Fantastic Four, and we're like, really? He's gonna be Captain America? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, that's true. Yeah, no, that's just good casting. And, yeah, 
yeah, it's just very good casting and you got to cast them young. And I know it's even more valuable um, uh, if you can get these people who don't have a ton of history to them because then they can just kind of come. It's like Tom Holland. You know, people didn't really like know much about Tom Holland, but he became their Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. And that was, I think, helpful for him that he didn't like bring a bunch of, you know, because like it's like watching Tom Hanks in any role. You're like, that's Tom Hanks. I see Tom Hanks. Right. That's Tom Hanks. Oh, hey, I got I got one for um, you. How about uh how about Andy Circus as Apocalypse? How about that? I uh, that man can play any villain as far as I care. How about and Andy and Apocalypse is a great idea. Oh, yeah. Just don't put him in a big rubber suit where he can't move around. <laughs> Paint him blue? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm fine with the blue. Like Apocalypse oh, yeah, is a big he's old always, purple he's blue always dude. been blue, yeah. No, I know. It just but, uh, it's just funny the way that you imagine that Oscar Isaac has complained so much about that suit, so <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. Um, it, there, there's probably a fair amount of X Men characters that would probably be served well by being fully CG. Um, um, I, I mean, that's the reason why both Beast and Mystique's characters in the later movies they kept turning back to human form because <laughs> the actors kept complaining about them. Yeah, that's right. You're right. <laughs> um, and uh, and which like I get on a human level, but on a nerd level, I'm like, you're supposed to be blue. You're supposed to be blue. Yeah. Stop turning. Stop turning Caucasian. That's what you get you're paid for. Furry. You get paid millions of yeah. dollars to do that. So you know. But that was like a uh, uh, Jim Cummings. That was his reason why he was like, I will never come oh, back. Oh yeah, that was hell. <laughs> oh man, I love that. But he looked great. He looked great. He did. It he was looked so great. good. He he looked, that great. was a good Nightcrawler. Rebecca Romaine, great Mystique. I adore that character till my dying breath. Yeah. No, it's um, great. Yeah. So yeah, I like you might see like a CG beast. Um, I don't think we can get Kelsey Grammer back, uh, <laughs> which I thought was great. That maybe maybe again, I had a lease on this last episode, and she is unapologetically like X Men Last Dance, my favorite X Men movie. And I'm like, you be you, Elise, you be you. Yeah, why not? Whatever, who cares? Yeah, enjoy it. Well, this was an absolute delight. I knew it was going to be delight. I love any excuse to ever just chat with you. I love any excuse to ever work with you. Me and that too, kind John. Of thing. Me too. So, Me too. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, sometime in the future, I'll be able to have you come back and do some again. Um, I'll give you less of a beefy read. To read. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was we'll, some we'll homework. Read- <laughs> yeah well maybe well maybe i can have you back to read something a little bit more modern um and new to like uh really surprise you with where x-men are in like later eras oh yeah that's a great um, idea yeah because i think that'd be fun um but it was this like there are certain x-men crossover events and stories that i want to do that i'm like i can't do these with someone who doesn't know the x-men at all because these aren't very good you know drop-in moments right um you need some precursor knowledge and, and i'm glad i got to use um, your history to oh yeah advantage. of course of course always um but this is a delight um if you liked listening to bruce talk which you should have um i highly recommend you need to go and check him out he is on twitch uh maybe too much all the time um, literally all the time yeah all the time yeah. variety streamer that uh, specializes in um just every game under the sun um and uh does great uh long streams especially when like there's the game launches and stuff yeah yeah um you're very good at what you do bruce oh thanks I, john I, I appreciate that i'm it's very nice of you to I'm say i'm always impressed um at the uh the art you create and the community that you have grown around you um, it's been a blast so you can find uh him at uh twitch.tv slash bruce green correct your name that's your correct name? that's right uh e on the end of both bruce and green there you go <laughs> there you yeah, go yeah. um so yeah go check him out on there give him some love 
Um, but be uh, prepared for, I'm sure, him looking a lot tired soon because he's about to have a kid. Oh, yeah, that's coming um, in weeks, John. <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah, your your wife, every time I see her post things on Instagram, I'm like, you're still pregnant? I know. How are you still pregnant? <laughs> it feels like she's been pregnant for three years. Um, uh, well, we're almost and there. And I feel so bad for, yeah, yeah. she's had such a, a complex and difficult pregnancy. It's been it rough. Seems. Yeah, it's been rough. Um, but I, 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 uh, look, I, you know, look forward to congratulating you on your <laughs> bouncing baby. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks again for joining me. Um, thanks to you, the audience for checking this out. This was a longer one. I'm so grateful that Bruce hung around this long and I'm sure he needs to run off and do actual work. Um, <laughs> but thanks for joining. Um, and I hope to see you guys next time. See you then. <laughs>